0: He is good and faithful. Amen? Amen. Amen, Lord. Do make us a house of prayer. Some people might be saying, what is this? How can we be a house of prayer? But your word tells us very clearly that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So therefore, we are a place of prayer. So Lord, when we pray, we know you hear us. So we are to pray often, Lord. So we pray. We pray because Jesus said, Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. For everyone who asks, receive. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it shall be opened. So we're a house of prayer here tonight. Lord, let our altar, the fire on our altar, never burn out. Let it just go on and on. Keep us fired up for Jesus, Lord. We're going to look at a couple guys tonight, Lord, that have been fired up for Jesus. They've been sold out, S-O-U-L-D, sold out for Jesus. Lord, may we be that way. May we be a house of prayer. May the fire within us never burn out. May we never fall out of love with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who went to the cross for us to redeem us, to pay the penalty of our sin, so that we might be able to enter eternity, to stand before your throne, to stand before you and see your beautiful face. Lord, tonight, we just want to tell you that we love you. Help us, Holy Spirit, that the fire never burns out. Remove the dross. Remove the sin from our life as we repent. And as we come to you for deliverance, for salvation, and for healing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, church. Everybody out on the internet, we're glad you're here. Um, you're listening to Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're in Palm Beach, Florida, in Lantana. Actually, if you're on I-95 and you're near High Paluxo Road and Poynton Beach, Lantana, Lake Worth area. You know, you just get off I-95 at High Paluxo Road, head a a quarter mile west, and we're on the north side of the road, 2810 High Paluxo Road, Lantana, Florida. So um, I want to uh, let you be aware that you can tune into our website, Freedom Church, PB. Dot org freedomchurchpb.org, and that PB stands for Palm Beach. Listen, we stream live every Thursday night at 7.15, so tune in. You know, we stream every Sunday at 10 a.m., so we'd like you to tune in also to our website. For the few local men, we have a men's Bible study at 9 a.m. every Saturday morning. It is not streamed, but you're welcome to attend. We have a great Bible study, a lot of interaction and you're going to grow grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you go to our website, freedomchurchpb.org, you can f- read our beliefs. You can find out our address. You can see the list of ministries. You can watch our our services from years past. You can even give online. Just go to the Give Life button, and you can just give your your tithes, your gifts, and your offerings, you know, if if God should lead you. Your tithe, though I might tell you, should go to your local church. I'm not trying to take take finances from Freedom Church, but your tithe, according to Scripture, goes to your local church, the one that you belong to, the one where you get fed mostly. But when you the gifts and offerings can come to other churches where you learn from those pastors. So we thank you for that in advance. Um, that's about it for us. Listen, I would like you to tune in on Sunday and. Ten AM Freedom Church PB dot org. So get ready. We're going to be studying, I believe, in Matthew. That's the way it, it's been heading. We've been doing a book study, you know, in Matthew. We're in the in the twelfth chapter this week. If God doesn't move us out for a special teaching, which sometimes happens. And we try to be open to the Holy Spirit. So I mentioned earlier we are in Luke, I mean uh, Philippians tonight. We're continuing with our study, Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to start in the 17th verse, but our Bible study is really the 19th through the 20, 30th verse. You know, we're going to see some characters tonight. We're going to see some character studies as we move in. We're going to see Timothy. We're going to see Epaphroditus, and we're going to see the Apostle Paul. We're going to see a, we're going to, I'm going to show you some character studies, what these guys are really like, and they're, listen, they're good examples for all Christians today, whether you're a male or you're a female, and it's good. You can see these men of God that are totally sold out for Jesus, and that's the way, to, you know, the church needs to be. The church is, for the most part, is not that way in America anymore. We're almost falling asleep. In Europe, they have fallen asleep. I heard from from a missionary just recently that when he was in a church in Sweden he said you know he could he wanted to fall asleep immediately this is an evangelist uh, you know uh, a missionary pastor I'll tell you what he walked into the church it was just dead you know and he looked at his friend that was with him and he said do you feel that and he says yeah I want to fall asleep because it's not there's no fire You know, we sang it tonight. Let the fire on your altar never burn out. Listen, you are a living sacrifice for the Lord God Almighty. Don't let that fire burn out. Because if you do, the world will snatch you away real quick. And you'll be living your life in all kind of messes. Well, these three characters we're going to study tonight, if we get to all of them, which I think we will, because we have a lot of time, you know, we're going to see these three characters are not going to burn out one of them obviously did burn out unto almost death because of his, his example of, of preaching the gospel, teaching the gospel, running here, running there, from one church to another, to the Apostle Paul, till he wore himself out. We call it today burnout. And you know what? Some of your leaders in your churches today are burned out. They're trying to keep you in fire, but you know, in the fire. But you keep wanting to get off the altar and no longer be in that fire. And then your fire becomes a little spark, and before you know it's just a little bit of smoke coming out. And if it isn't, if you're, if you doesn't, if you don't recommit, if you don't repent, you know, your fire will go down to simple embers. And God says this in Revelation. Jesus said it. He said I prefer that you be either hot or cold because if you're lukewarm I will vomit you out of my mouth. You know these are these are tough words and they're strong words but we need them for today to wake the church up in America. We need a great revival again and that revival might start with you or me could start right here in Boston you know, in the first uh, great awakening, you know, Jonathan Edwards, just a church pastor, preached a message, you know, and it was on fire. He, he, the message was sinners in the hand of an angry God. Well, church today don't want to hear that we, you know, that, that God is a God of justice. We have to wake up to the fact that, yeah, God is love and God is merciful, but he is also just. And we need to consider all the attributes of our God. And we can't fall asleep. And we, I'm sorry, but America right now is in big, big trouble. And if the church does not wake up and quit tickling their ears with simple messages, then um, they're going to be in big trouble. The church is going to just, who knows, wither away. There's no mention of the church in the last days and the Bible. No, No mention. Philippians, chapter 2. I said last week, General Electric Power Company, everybody said, what? Well I'm just telling you the order of those these little epistles, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, General Electric Power Company, okay? So that's an easy way to find it. They're the small epistles, and it goes in that order, General Electric Power Company. G E, you know, P A P P C P C, okay. All right. Philippians. Chapter two. I'm going to start reading, in the seventeenth verse, because what I just said or what I might begin will will be there. Uh, well, maybe in that verses. Here's Paul; he's writing this. We don't know if Timothy's writing for Paul or Paul's writing it himself, but most likely Epaphroditus is writing this under Paul's uh, uh, dictation. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering, the apostle Paul, upon the sacrifice and service of your faith. I rejoice and share my joy with you all, and to you I urge you, rejoice the same way with me." Verse 19, "...but I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly," there's character number one, Timothy, "...so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare, for they all seek after their own interests. That's America today, church, not those of Christ Jesus. Let me read that again, verse 21. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus, but you know of his provision, his proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore I hope to send him immediately, as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself might be coming shortly. You know why Paul's saying that? This is a present epistle. Paul was in prison. He's in present for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But verse 25, But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my needs. Boy, there's a lot in that verse tells you about Epaphroditus. Then the next verse tells you some more, Because he was longing for you, you all, and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick to the point of death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow, as if he should lose an important minister and fellow brother in the work of the gospel with Baphroditus. God had mercy on him by sparing a, pa- a Epaphroditus. Verse 28, Therefore I have sent him all the more eagerly, in order that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. Therefore receive him in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard. You know what that's telling you right there? Epaphroditus is an important chess piece in Paul's ministry. And Paul is telling them, you hold your pastors, you hold your apostles, you hold your missionaries, and in high and elders and deacons in high esteem. You need to; they're they're serving the Lord with all their heart. Verse thirty, because he came close to death for the work of Christ. And is there anybody in this room that came close to death for the work of Christ? Absolutely not. You know, I've been in in different countries where we were warned not to go, and we went anyhow into those areas. I guess you could say maybe, yes, but not like these guys. Paul's in prison for preaching the gospel. Epaphroditus and Timothy could likely be thrown in prison themselves just for associating with them. Because they came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Paul's writing to the Philippian church. There's character studies. Paul is willing. We know or learn from verse 17 and 18 that I read. Paul is willing to be consecrated, to be set apart unto death for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He doesn't care. You know, he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He didn't see him, but he heard him. And he come out of that encounter blind. And he went into a place, and for three days, and he didn't eat, he didn't drink any water. He just fasted, and he was blind. But he heard the words of the Lord. He said to the to the the voice, he says, "Who are you, Lord?" He said, "I'm Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you persecute." Oh, Paul woke up on that one, boy. He had a born again experience right there. Boom! His his whole confidence changed. He he went to Damascus to arrest the Christians. He had just been part of the leadership and when they threw the coats down at Paul's feet when when uh, Stephen was stoned to death in Acts chapter 7. Paul was basically a murderer. And God says, I had enough of this. And he met him. And now because of this, the scriptures tell us, tell us he's going to tell Ananias, if you read chapter 7 of Acts, you're going to find out and eight and nine, rather, you're going to find out that that uh, Ananias was deadly afraid of Paul. He thought he was faking it just so he could kill him. But he obeyed, and Paul obeyed the voice of the one who said, "I am the Lord Jesus, who you are, cru- or you are persecuting." Paul was willing to go to death. After that experience, nobody could tell him any different. Jesus Christ is Lord, boom. And there better be everybody in this room, everybody over the internet, if you call yourself a Christian, you better be able to say that, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Okay? You know what Lord means? It means you bow down at His feet. He's not just your Savior. He's your Lord. That means you do what He says. That's what Paul is doing here. That's what Timothy's doing, and that's what Epaphroditus is doing. Verses 19 through 24, Timothy's example of being unselfish and obedient to the gospel. Now we see Paul, who's set apart, he's consecrated to death. He doesn't care. We learned that in the first part of Philippians chapter 2 and chapter 1. He doesn't care. He's going to preach the gospel because he met Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. If you met Jesus Christ, you should be want to and willing to preach the gospel to Jesus of Jesus Christ to your loved ones, to your friends. You're not going to be an evangelist. You may not be an evangelist like Billy Graham or the Apostle Paul or Epaphroditus or Timothy, but you should have a hunger to tell people about Jesus because if they don't know Jesus, they're headed for the place, for eternity that was prepared for the devil and his angels. Eternity is a long time, church. I'm not good at one-on-one. I mean, you know, I'm not good to go knock on a door and, you know, preach the gospel. I am good one-on-one if you want to talk to me about Jesus. And if you want to hear it from the pulpit, I am okay at that. But I'm not that kind to knock on a door. I've done it probably 50, 100 times. But I don't like it not my cup of tea. You guys can do it. Bill likes to do it. So does does, uh, Dan over here. I'm glad. Praise God. I can't do everything anyhow. You have to do something. That way I won't burn out doing that too. So Timothy is like-minded with Paul. Timothy is like-minded with Paul. Paul, Timothy really is Paul's spiritual son. He's He's going to be trained under under Timothy. I mean, Tim- Paul's going to train Timothy, and he's his teacher is the Apostle Paul. Paul could trust Timothy to preach to the Philippian church and to the Ephesian church. We're going to find out that as we move through this, Timothy was the pastor and influence over five churches: Ephesians, the Ephesus Church and the Philippian church are part of them, and I'll list them a little bit later. These are churches that have the mind of Christ or that are together. Every church is not better than any other church. Each church has its distinctive ministry, whatever it may be. Just because there's 10, 12, maybe two, three people in a church does not mean that it is not a powerful, Spirit-filled church. Just so you know that. Believe, I've been learning that firsthand. God turned the world upside, upside down with 11 disciples. The world went upside down with 11 disciples. This church is bigger than that. Churches today should not criticize one another because, you know, because uh, because they they, we are all preaching the same gospel. That's if they're preaching the gospel. For you to say my church is better than your church, it's vanity. As far as I'm concerned, it's vanity. We're together. We're one army. The Church of Christ is not Freedom Church, it's the whole worldwide church, the universal church that that preaches the gospel. We are one. We're one mighty army, but yet we are so scattered, we are powerless, pretty much. Let me read you Ephesians chapter 2. Just go back to the left, Ephesians chapter 2, remember, General Electric Power Company Okay? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 through 18. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off, that's the Gentiles, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one. So we're Christians who believe in Jesus. And we he broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Jesus broke that barrier down. There's no barrier between one church or the other, whether it's Messianic Jew or or Christian, whether it's Methodist or Baptist or Lutheran, but they should be preaching the gospel, not just fluffier teaching. By abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments, Contained in the ordinances, that's the law of Mosaic law, that in himself he might make the two into one man, thus establishing peace. And he might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. There is no wall, there should be no wall of separation between church. You know what you know what denominations are? It's a ploy of the devil to divide the Christian church, and we fall into it left and right. As you remember. When we were talking about Paul in the first chapter of Philippians, we saw that Paul had three stages of separation. The Bible says that he was separate for the work of the gospel from his birth. It also says that he was separated for the work of the gospel by his conversion on that road to Damascus. And it also says that he he that at His commissioning, he was set apart also to separation, his commissioning to go and preach the gospel. We know that Paul did at least three missionary journeys, Mm -hmm. two throughout Asia Minor and the third through Europe. And we know he had another fourth missionary mission, but it's kind of scattered on that one. But here we see uh, Epaphroditus. I want to do character studies on these three characters, Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus. This passage here from, from, verses thir- from verse uh, 19 through, through 30 is really about Epaphroditus, mainly. So we're going to do a little study about Epaphroditus. We're going to find out what this man is like. Through the 25th verse to the 30th verse, we have a lot we can learn about Epaphroditus. And you know what? You put yourself in that place. Put yourself, say, instead of Epaphroditus, say your name. Okay? Because you'll know if you fit into a kind of character that a ta- Epaphroditus is. A godly man sold out to Jesus. You can spell it S O L D. Like sold out, you're going all the way. Or S-O-U-L-D, your soul is, is not divided. It is all set for God in Christ. Number one, we find out that Paul, that Epaphroditus is a member of the Philippian church. He is a member of the Philippian church. He might even be the pastor, I read in one commentary, of this church. Epaphroditus, it says here, that in verse 25, and I read that verse twice, so i got to get back to Philippians. But I thought it necessary, verse 25 of Philippians 2, but I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister. Look at this, right? Look at this. Epaphroditus is a brother, he's a fellow worker, He's a soldier, he's a messenger, and he's a minister. How many positions do you hold? This guy is well on his way to burnout. Epaphroditus is a brother in Christ. He's a believer. He's unashamed to be an associate of Paul. As I said, these guys were in danger of themselves being thrown in jail before Caesar. Paul's in Roman jail. They could just for associating with Paul, who who was accused of a capital crime, could also be thrown in prison. These guys didn't care. They're sold out. They're going to preach the gospel no matter what. If Paul's in prison, Paul's preaching to the, the royal guard. They're preaching to the Philippian church and anybody else that wants to hear. You know, many people departed from Paul and sought ill of towards Paul when he was thrown into prison. We read that in Philippians chapter 1 verses 12 through 18. Let me read it to you. And I wanted you to know, brethren, that my circumstances, this is Paul writing, have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my in my imprisonment the cause of Christ has become well known to the whole praetorian guard and to the and everyone else. Paul is in prison, and he's with, with the Roman soldiers and the Roman guards, and he's preaching the gospel. It didn't shut him up at all in the prison. He just kept him going. Not only that, but God gave him a vehicle to hit another group of people, not just the Philippian church. Not just you and I today, but the whole praetorian guard under Caesar. And this is Caesar Nero, and he is the biggest murderer of, of that there was. And that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the gospel. So because Paul's in prison, there's men like Epaphroditus and Timothy that are far more vocal. Because Paul's in prison, they have to fill the gap. They're preaching the gospel. Some, verse 15, some to be sure are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but also from, but also some from goodwill. Paul saying, even though these guys are upset that, you know, that I'm in prison and they think I'm 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 the bad guy, yeah, I don't care. They think I'm ill, but they're preaching the gospel. Keep on preaching the gospel. That's what he's saying to do, to to do. Some are preaching out of goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. In other words, he's in he's in prison to to. To preach the gospel, we call it apologetics today. He went into president. He's preaching. He's a he's uh, telling the people about Christianity, and he's making a program to let them understand about Christianity. And he's making apol He's doing apologetics. He's preaching somebody preaching to them to to tell them that Jesus Christ is is the the the, the, the Messiah. He thinks that some of them wanted cause him distress in his imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense and truth, Christ is proclaimed. That's all Paul cares about. Don't you see that? That's what all Paul cares about, as long as Christ is preached. So I'm the same way. As long as Christ is preached in the Methodist church, the Baptist church, the Lutheran church, the, 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 the Calvary Chapel churches, the Four Square churches, you name it. As long as he's preached, that's all I care about. But it shouldn't be about, you know, uh, what color the wall's going to be painted or who's going to put the carpet, what color should the carpet be. It should be about Jesus Christ, him alone. That's it. Christ is proclaimed, and in this Paul says, I rejoice and I will rejoice. So when you hear that verse quoted, Paul is rejoicing that the Bible, but the gospel is being preached. So, here we see also, not only is Epaphroditus a brother in Christ to Paul, he's a companion. He's a fellow worker. The Greek is sanergos, which means fellow laborer in Greek. In other words, we're all in this together. We are fellow laborers with one another. Everyone here and everyone over the Internet, If you're in Christ, we are fellow laborers with one another. We have the same goal, which should be to tell a world about Jesus Christ our Savior. Number three, Epaphroditus is Paul's fellow soldier. You know, we don't hear much about that. We are soldiers of Christ, whether you like it or not. Yeah, you're dressed in a blue or a pink shirt. And you got your socks and sandals on, but you are a soldier for Christ. You wear a breastplate of righteousness, a helmet of salvation, a belt of truth. Your feet are shod with, with sandals for preaching the gospel. You have a sword of the Spirit and a shield of faith. You are a soldier for Christ. And where did Paul get that metaphoric metaphor? from being tied up to soldiers or chained to soldiers in the Roman Praetorian Guard. You are a fellow soldier. You are a soldier, but I'm going to tell you something. Most Christians today have forgotten they are soldiers of Christ. That means that you're going to go out into battle. You're going to battle people that don't like Jesus. You're going to battle demons but you are victorious through Christ. Jesus already disarmed the enemy. He, enemy. he is a fallen foe. You are a soldier for Christ. And don't forget it. The Greek says, you know, if you went to the Greek word, it, it actually means a, an associate or a co-campaigner, an associate in Christian toil, a fellow soldier. You're a soldier of Christ. Don't forget it, church. Onward, Christian soldier, marching out to war, with the cross of Jesus going on before. Did you forget that hymn? I probably got a little words mixed up because I haven't sang it in 40 years. My kids used to sing it. Listen, Epaphroditus also, number four, is a messenger. He's a messenger to the Philippian church. He's running back and forth from Philippi to Rome. He's running back and forth. The Philippian church gave some stuff to Paul. You can read that in the 30th verse. i got to turn back to, to uh, Philippians again. The 30th verse. Because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his own life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. He brought stuff from Philippi, from the Philippian church, to Paul as in prison that Paul needed. He was traveling back and forth. It's that's a, that's a long distance from Rome to Philippi. I, don't, I didn't measure it out. But you know what? He couldn't hop in his car and drive that distance. He had to take a boat from Rome around Sicily through the Adriatic Sea all the way up to to uh, Asia Minor and get off the boat and, and go to the Philippian church area. He said it was no small chore. A messenger also is, he's, you know, if the Greek is apostolos. Well, you could actually call Epaphroditus an apostle, an apostle, as a sent one. He's a delegate. He's an ambassador. He's one that has the full power of attorney to act in the place of another. He has the full power of attorney to act in the place of Paul. And verse, that's verse uh, Philippians 4.18, just turn over the next chapter, 4.18, we see, But I have received everything in full and have an abundance, and I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma and an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to Paul. You know, when I was in Vietnam, my mom used to send me a care package, A care package had a care package had had uh, uh, slim jims in it, crackers, peanut butter. You know what I mean? Food. That might be what Paul was. I'm sure he just got bread and water in the in a in the Roman prison. He was accused of a capital crime. You know, he wasn't like just locked up in a single. So I mean he was chained to a soldier at least one soldier. But you know what so when you think of that 4:18 you have got to go to the next verse and you got to read the next verse because people quote it all the time and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Anybody heard that verse before? Yeah. Paul is te- he's telling you that God is res- you know God has supporting him. By the Philippian church in Rome, and then he tells you that my God shall apply, supply all my needs according to your riches, His riches and glory, and we claim that verse today ourselves. God will supply, and He will supply all your needs. Number five, Epaphroditus is also a minister, he's a public servant to carry on the gospel of Christ. This also tells us, you know, he's a minister. He's overworked. He's full of heaviness for the Philippians. He loves the Philippian church. That's why a lot of people think that Epaphroditus is the pastor of of the church in Philippi or did become the pastor of the church in Philippi. He was sick unto death according to verse 26 and 27 of chapter 2. Chapter 2, 26 and 27. Let me read it to you. "Because Because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick, for indeed he was sick to the point of death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Here's what Paul's Listen. Do you see this? We know the apostle Paul could lay hands on the sick and they would recover, but Epaphroditus, it wasn't. It, it doesn't say that that happened. He actually got sick because he drove his body beyond its limits, and he got sick. That's what the Greek word you know uh, that is used for his sickness tells us that he drove himself from overwork under eating to get the work of the gospel done listen churches today they don't even want to fast they don't want to fast and if they do fast they got to tell everybody around them that I'm fasting and meanwhile they lost the reward and probably even lost what they're fasting for because they're telling people that they fast if you fast god bless you i know people to fast every week you know but you don't need to tell. They tell me because I'm their pastor, but you know what I'm saying. But, you know, you don't go around and brag to everybody. You're, you're having a Daniel fast. It's, it's January. No. Keep your mouth shut. You already got your reward from the people, or do you want your reward from God? He's fasting, probably not on purpose, but he's willing to work, and to not eat, to get the job done. He had a mission to do. To make sure that Paul was taken care of? To make sure the Philippian church was taken care of? This guy is a minister. He's a public servant. He's overworked. He's full of heaviness. He's sick unto death. But he was healed because God had mercy on him, and Paul is saying, and God had mercy on me because if I would have lost Epaphroditus, I would be in big trouble. Are you a man or a woman like that? Are you? Really? I hope I am. I want to be. A lot of time, I think I waste my time watching TV, the old TV, you know, like gun smoke and stuff like that, you know. And okay, that's number six. Number seven, Ataproditus was healed by God and only because God had mercy. God had mercy on Epaphroditus, and God had mercy on Paul. And let me tell you something, God. If you overwork and you to burn out, God may not have mercy on you, and you may not, you know, may not be healed. Don't burn yourself out. That's one of the problems with a smaller church. A lot of the leadership has to do too much work. Okay. And I'm trying to stop that, and I'm trying to let the church see that as we study the Word of God. Epaphroditus, number eight, he is held in high regard. Here in verse 30, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete complete what was deficient in your service to me. Verse 29, Therefore receive him in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in high regard. This guy is a, a worker. You know what? We sent a man to Brazil. Brett. Uh, Matt. Matt is in Brazil right now for six months. Okay? He's done two or three months right now. He's on leave this week. You know what he's doing? He didn't fly home to America. He's on break. He has a week off because the school goes from the first... Uh, English 101 to English 201, okay? So he's in Brazil. Do you think he's coming home for that break? He has like a 10-day break. You know what he's doing? He's flying to Recife, Brazil. And he's going to the church that we ministered to in 2018. And he's preaching the gospel this Sunday in Recife, Brazil. He's working his head off. You know what? After that, after he preaches and. Recife, he is flying to Brasilia, the capital of Brazil, to meet up with the school there. he learned Portuguese. To meet and see the people that he once went to school with or his teachers from there. You know what? He's overworked. You know, a lot of our church may have forgot about Matt. I did get one envelope on Sunday, you know, it said, and put some money in an envelope says, for Matt. You know, don't forget Matt. Don't forget bread either, and don't take from your tithe to do it. These are special givings. These are gifts and offerings. Your tithe goes to your church. Gifts and offerings go to the missionaries or whoever you want to support. But don't forget about these guys. These guys are overworked. Matt, I, I know that Matt's probably homesick being gone like that. I know I would be if I'm gone for six months. But he felt the call of God, and he's down there in Brazil. He's, a, he's, a, he's an Epaphroditus, and I want you to hold him and Brett and Nona in high esteem because of what they do for the gospel. These guys are all in. Epaphroditus is all in. He sold out the Christ. He's ready to die, just like Paul, if necessary, for the gospel. You know why? Because he knows that Jesus Christ is real. He knows that this isn't just some storybook that, that people have written. He knows that this is a book that, has, that is written by, by 40 people over 1,400 years, saying the same thing, and they weren't even contemporaries of one another. Very few were. This book is the best-selling best selling book in all the world, always has been, as a, been and always will be the best-selling book of all time. You can't even, you take the greatest, uh, even the manuscripts from the Old Testament, um, what are they, okay, uh, you know, they, they, they pile up to maybe 641 of, of the, oh, gee, can't think of it, but anyway, like the Trojan horse, you know, those stories. Books from Antiquity. There's 641 copies. There's over 20,000 copies of Scripture in existence today. There's nothing that compares to this Word of God. And Epaphroditus, Paul, Timothy, and you and I should know that Jesus Christ is alive. He is well. He's here right now listening to this service, and he wants each one of us here and over the Internet to get out there into the world and be all out for Jesus and to hold our pastors, our missionaries, our evangelists in high regard and the elders of your church. For the work of the Lord, Epaphroditus, was near unto death. He worked himself to death. Which is wrong really. God had mercy. Important. Important words. He was exhausted. He had improper rest. He probably had a physical breakdown. But he did not I mean he did not regard his life to serve others. He was willing to serve others. The Philippian church, Paul In Rome, he was willing to do that for others. This man should be held in high esteem. He's only mentioned a couple times in the Bible. Only a couple. There's another guy. Trophimus was sick unto death, and Paul left him in Melanthus. Paul left him because God didn't heal him. But he was sick unto death just like Epaphroditus. But God didn't heal him. Paul left him. He had work to do. He was going. You find that in 2 Timothy 4.20. 2 Timothy 4.20. Trophimus, I left in Melenthus. And that proves that the workmen for the gospel must rest. We must rest. Or they're going to take a burnout. We are not to work beyond our sensible and reasonable limits or God may not heal. So not only is the epaphroditus here. Let me go through him real quick. Epaphroditus is a brother, a companion, a fellow laborer, a fellow soldier, a comrade, a yoke fellow. He's a messenger. He's a minister. He's a he's um, overworked. He was healed, and he was and he is to be held in high esteem. Now let's look at Timothy just real quickly. I'm gonna go through these a lot faster than a because you know Timothy's just mentioned in the first part of this and you know Epaphroditus is getting a a big microscope on or yeah, microscope on his uh, on his verses here. But here's Timothy. Who is Timothy? Timothy was a Greek pagan he had a Greek pagan father and a Jewish mother that makes him what he should have been Jewish because the Jews if the one, if the mother is Jewish the children are Jewish according to but guess what Timothy ends up a Christian listen his mother was Lois his his grandmother his grandmother was Lois and his mother was Eunice and they're both Christians. They were saved in Philippi by Paul, the Apostle Paul. They were fa- saved. They're no longer Jews. They're Christians. And of course, again, I guess you could say he followed his mother. <laughs> He's converted in Paul's ministry in Lystra. You can find out in Acts chapter sixteen and chapter fourteen. He was converted under Paul's ministry. He was brought up on God's word. He was a child when his mom and grandmother got saved, and then most likely in Acts chapter 16, the first few verses. He's the son of Paul. He's to Paul. He's the son in the faith. Paul discipled him. Do you understand that? Paul discipled this young man. Paul's. Uh, he's Paul's personal representative. As he grew, he grew close to Paul. Paul was kind of his father. Is not even mentioned here, except that he was a pagan. He might not have anything to do with Christianity. Or he might not even be alive, but Timothy is following the Apostle Paul. He's Paul's companion. You can find that in 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians. He was young and timid when he got saved. He was circumcised by Paul. Even though he was technically uh, uh, Jewish, he, he, Paul circumcised him, probably to keep the Jews at bay. He was invited to join Paul's second missionary journey when Paul and Silas went, went out on their second journey. He was even ordained as a minister by Paul. He was invited by Paul on that second missionary journey and also on the third missionary journey. you can find that in Acts chapter 19: 20 and First Corinthians. I'm sorry, second Corinthians. Paul chose his companion during his first imprisonment. He was often sick, Timothy. He suffered imprisonment in Hebrews chapter 13, Timothy was in prison also. He, you know, it was dangerous to follow Paul. He was preaching the gospel of Christ, and he wasn't shutting up. Meanwhile, don't remember now, don't forget, the other 11 apostles are out there preaching the gospel. All of them are preaching the gospel. The gospel is getting flourished through Europe, but now you look at Europe today. And Asia Minor, they're falling asleep. They're post-Christianity, a lot of people call it. And as I told you about somebody I know that went to a Sweden church with a friend of there, and they were ready to fall asleep. And they told me, you know what? The, the gospel was in the message, but the church is sleeping. So it had a, a spirit of sleepiness over the church. The Christians didn't care. And please, God forbid if that happens to America. Amen. Timothy pastored five churches, according to what we see in Thessalonians, Corinthians, Philippians, Acts, and even Paul's letter to Timothy. He was a, he was a bishop of the Ephesian church. He was, he was um, pastored in the Corinthian church, the Philippi church, the Berean church, and the Ephesian church. And the Thessalonican church. These guys, you know what? Nowadays, you know, now we're we're getting these mega churches that have different satellites here and there. So you could say they pastored all those churches, but not in these days. These guys had to go around to every church. Like Brett did in Brett and Nona did in December. They they started a church in Recife, Brazil. And you know what they did in December and January over the Christmas holiday? They went to Brazil to encourage the church that they started in Brazil, and then came back in early January. That's what these guys did. I was in Guatemala years ago, at least two or three times, and uh, in Guatemala, the the guy who the young man that started the church they called him an apostle. He was an apostle. He must have been 25 years old. I'm like 50 back then, right? He's 25 years old, and he he shows up at, at one of the churches that we were preaching at, and I said to the missionary, I says, who's that? He says, oh, he's the apostle. He's the one that started these 30 churches. I'm going like, he's 25 years old. My goodness, he was an apostle. He went from church to church to church on a swing. All of his ministry to check up on the churches and to preach to them and encourage them. That's what Timothy was doing. No wonder he's burnt out. He, you know Timothy was suffered imprisonment and he he came close to death, often sick according to first Timothy four twelve through sixteen in chapter five. He was serving as a senior pastor of Ephesus, which was also, Um, pastored by the Apostle John later on. You want to know something? Timothy had a heart for God, according to Philippians chapter 2. I hope you do, and I hope you don't lose it. You know what happened to Timothy? Here's what tradition says. It's not scriptural, it's tradition. Tradition says that he was martyred under uh, the Roman emperor, Nervar Neva, Nerva, Nervar Neva and clubbed to death by a mob for protesting against worshiping Artemis. That's the goddess Diana, the multi-breasted piece of rock. They said, Catholics say he was 80 years old when that happened. Fox's Book of Martyrs has him martyred in 97 AD, which was slightly after the Apostle John had passed away. You think Timothy was sold out to the Lord? How would you like to be clubbed to death? You know what? We don't have that problem in America, but we still don't open our mouth. Why? Can we get fired up again? What was that song we sang? May the fire on my altar never go out. May it never go out. You know, I could go into the Apostle Paul. I'll just look up some things for the Apostle Paul real quickly because our time's running out. You know what? The fire on Paul's altar, the fire on, on... Epaphroditus' altar, the fire on Timothy's altar did not go out. They were burning red hot for God. They were flamed up. And when you came around these kind of guys, you got fired up too. Hopefully that's what happens when you come to Freedom Church. You get fired up for the gospel of Jesus Christ because you're going to go out into this world and this world's going to throw all kind of junk on you this week. Here's Paul. You know, he was, he was, uh, he was, he went after the church of God, threw them in prison, and even had them killed. He was a son of a Pharisee. He was a Roman citizen, which was greatly used by God to get him to Rome to preach the gospel. He was trained in the culture of the Greeks, he was bilingual. He spoke Greek, Aramaic, and probably Hebrew. Maybe even Latin. I don't know. But he was multilingual. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a tent maker which supported his ministry. He was trained under Gamaliel. And Gamaliel, bottom line, was the greatest teacher of Judaism ever, according to antiquities' writings. Paul was present at the stoning of Stephens. He was an apostle. After his conversion, he became an apostle ordained by Jesus Christ himself. He was a spiritual father to Timothy. He was entrusted with God's glorious gospel. There are things in Paul's writings that nobody else touches, but yet Paul was was told these by God, and even Peter says the things that Paul writes are true and accurate, but they're hard to discern things like Jesus is coming back in the clouds a great glory. The trumpet's going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. We who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. These are writings that you can find only in few places in the, in the Gospels. He was strengthened by Christ for his ministry. Jesus appeared to Paul. He was was so much under persecution that Jesus himself had to appear to him to keep him motivated, to keep that fire alive. Sometimes, you know, I pray, I say, Lord, I'd love to see your face and it would motivate me more. And then I say, what? Blessed is he who has not seen and yet believes. And I say, no, I don't want to see you. I know you're there. Blessed. I want to be blessed. He was strengthened by Christ in his ministry. He was a former blasphemer. That means, you know what that means? He was even present and probably instigated the stoning of Stephen. That means it does, no matter what you've done in your life, Jesus will forgive you if you ask him and you repent of your sin and confess with your mouth. He is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. No matter what you've done, you can have a new start. You can be born again. Start all over. Number six, he was chief among sinners, says the scriptures. He was an example to, he's an example to us today. He was a preacher and a teacher. He worked tirelessly like Epaphroditus and Timothy. Paul worked tirelessly, and he suffered reproach for it, just like Epaphroditus and Timothy. He was also an exhorter. He encouraged the churches everywhere he went. Listen, my question to really to all of us, if someone was going to do a character study about you, would Jesus be first and foremost? If I, I, I would say that's not many of the so-called Christians today. Christ is not first and foremost. He should be. I'm not talking to just you. As I always said, when I preach, that message is mainly for the pastor. We get a double and triple dose. We have to study it. We have to preach it. And meanwhile, God's speaking to us. Keep that fire alive. Keep the fire alive. So if you walk away from here today, tonight, if you, as you're listening online, keep the fire alive. That's the message. Jesus said, and I have quoted it earlier, he said, I'd rather you be hot or cold, because if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Actually, the King James says vomit. In other words, he's repulsed by us Christians being lukewarm, and we need to be hot. We need to keep the fire alive. Let's pray. Father God, tonight we just pray, Lord, that the fire on our altar does not go out. We see a picture of Christ walking through the lampstands in the temple, in the, in the churches, the seven churches of Revelation. And what's he doing? He's cleaning the dross. The high priest is cleaning the dross out of the lampstands so that the flame can grow, burn brighter and brighter and brighter. And he's putting more oil in the lampstands so the flame does not go out. We know the Holy Spirit is represented as oil in the Scriptures, Lord. So oil us with the Holy Spirit tonight, and let us be fired up for Jesus, and let that fire come to full flame from the embers in which it is right now. And let us be on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ, and may the fire on our altars never go out. Holy Spirit, that can only help by you keeping us all fired up for Jesus. And to you be the glory, Lord God Almighty. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. Tune in Sunday at 10 a.m. Freedom FreedomChurchPB.org. I love you all. God bless.